So, welcome back to our final, our sixth and final installment in our, um, this series that we've been calling Church United. It has been um, a wonderful way for us to consider what unity looks like, both kind of theoretically, as uh, Jamie and I both um, taught a little bit on unity, unity uh, coming as a, as a vision from the Father, and the Son and the Spirit and Jesus and the prayer that comes from John 17, praying that we might be one as the Father and the Son and Spirit are one so that the world would know that Jesus was sent by the Father. So we've been looking at church unity from a biblical perspective and then we have spent four Sundays listening to um, faithful pastors in our neighborhood. As it turns out, as I realize my specific neighborhood, all of the churches that we've talked to are like within five kilometers of my house, (laughs) conveniently enough. I didn't really plan it that way. Um, But the last person we get to hear from is Pauline. So... Pauline and I go way back. For those of you who don't know, Matt and I spent um, an amazing 15 years at Hillside. Uh, That was our church as we were first married. I started there just as a person in the congregation, uh, and by the time I left, I had been the pastor, uh, a pastor there for seven or eight years. Uh, and it's a place that I continue to love. Pauline, I have known for that long, pretty much, and we have journeyed together through lots, um, lots of fun things and lots of hard things. And so it's my delight to have Pauline here today, not just because she's my friend, but because she is a representative of this amazing church called, called Hillside, which is um, on Lynn Valley Road. It used to be blue. It's now brown, but it's still a really wonderful church. So welcome, Pauline. Nice to have you. Thank you. It's really good to be here. It's surprising how many people still think it's blue. Really? They say, yeah, I, I work at Hillside Church. Oh, the blue one. And it was, it's been brown for 15 or more years. Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> so, Pauline, before you tell us about uh, your church, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about how, you, how long you've lived on the North Shore and tell us about who your family is and stuff like that. Okay, um, I thought maybe first, really briefly, I would tell you how I ended up coming to be a pastor because I haven't been a pastor for super long. Um, so I, I, after I graduated high school, I went to work for a bank uh, and uh, worked my way up, ended up in an admin and human resources role, uh, then had children and continued to work for the bank part-time for a number of years. Uh, and eventually, once my kids were teenagers and things were getting hairy at home, uh, I just quit the job. <laughs> um, uh, but through prayer, I ended up working at uh, Keats Camps. I started volunteering there, and then I ended up work- working there. I worked with Keats for seven years total. Um, some of it was full-time and in the, on the island during the summer. Um, uh, after I left Keats is when I started at Hillside Church. Um, but because I was now working in what was increasingly becoming a pastoral role and I had no theological training, I decided that would, it would be good to get some. So I've been in Regent College for seven or eight years now, coming close to the end. <laughs> so I get candy soon. <laughs> They don't give out candy at Hillside, though, do they? I don't know. Maybe, no, maybe they have to come here. Yeah, they have to come here. That's fine. 
Um, and Pauline, you were attending Hillside that whole time. Actually, it wasn't like you just came on staff. No, like you uh, yeah, were I've, been, I've been at Hillside. Yeah, how long have you been at Hillside? <laughs> uh, we moved to Canada from England when I was seven years old. Uh, Hillside was in a location on Keith Road at that point, and we moved into an apartment temporarily when we moved here, and Hillside was across the street. So we, I started at Hillside when I was seven. Did leave there for a few years, around my teenage years, um, and uh, but went back. I had no idea that you'd been attending since seven. That's why you're not telling me the exact number. <laughs> right. That's amazing. That's awesome. All right. Well, what else, what else do you want to tell us about yourself? Okay. Um, so I am married. My husband's name is John. Uh, he works at I, Did I see him here? Is he no, here? he's not okay. here. Okay. He's not here. Um, he works in the film industry. Um, I have three adult sons, uh, Scott and Chris and Ethan, some of you know them, and uh, they're grown and moved out. Chris is married, has a wife, April, and uh, two little children, and a third on the way. Did you know that? Yeah. So Levi, my oldest grandchild, is two and a half, and then they have a nine-month-old, and there will be another one in November. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> You're smiling and everyone else is like, whoa. I know. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> yeah. Um, Pauline, you want to tell us three things you love and three pet peeves? Sure. Uh, apart from my family, of course. I love the Lord Jesus. I love the Word of God. And I have especially, I especially loved the context of working in camp ministry. I think that's been my favorite thing in my life, was working in camp, uh, where it seems that barriers come down, and people, most especially young people, um, who I love to work with and get the privilege of counseling and praying with, um, they become open to the idea of a uh, saving relationship with Jesus. So that, those are my favorites. Um, I also love hiking and kayaking. I have a lovely little kayak now, so I really enjoy that. Um, and my pet peeves? Not really enjoying aging. <laughs> uh, I think my spirit feels much younger than the mirror or a photograph will tell. So, don't, and I know you guys get it, okay? So, when, uh, sometimes when you're with a group of people, like we're, recently we were at a wedding and it was all young people and I had some great conversations and I know when I see the photograph and realize I'm the old one in the photo, I'll be shocked again, but yeah. Um, so, that is one thing and I also, the passage of time also affects the fact that I have way too many cups of cold tea. Just don't get to it, and then, oh, it's cold. Okay. Or coffee. I like coffee, too. And the traffic these days. I hate traffic. I'll, I'll look at the time and decide I can't go because I know the traffic's going to be bad. I'll do all sorts of stuff to avoid sitting in a traffic jam. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Pauline. If you had to pick one Bible text to reflect your personal story with Christ or your present experience with Christ, what would it be? Read it to us and tell us why. Okay. Um, 
There are a few people in this room who've heard this before, especially if I worked with you at camp, uh, Dan and Holly, Theo. <laughs> um, but uh, Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, um, verses 24, 25, 24. It starts at 24. Um, <clears throat> no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And um, the verse that has stuck with me for many years out of the middle of that is verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So as a 16-year-old, a person from my church had the occasion to tell me this verse. It made so much sense in the context of what I was going through at the time. My young faith was being battered by life's circumstances. So as a family in Hillside Church, my parents had taken us there when I was, as I said, seven, um, and had immigrated from England. Uh, when I was 16, my parents' marriage was in trouble, and they were splitting up. Um, I was at the age of trying to carve out some of my own independence, but it was confusing in the middle of what was happening in my family. Um, and so I really clung to that verse in that time of testing, and I knew that the Lord answered me and in my times since. Now, the interesting part about when Sivkadak gave me that verse was that the fam our family circumstances were obviously very serious, but in my 16-year-old brain, my biggest concern was regarding a boyfriend. <laughs> Something I can laugh about now, but it was really serious at the time. And of course, the other issues have been the ones that have lasted over years. Anyway, um, these verses have proven true over and over again in my life. 
uh, in married life, my husband and I experienced poverty at one time, like not even knowing where the next meal was coming from. We have had some pretty big concerns over our children as we raised them. I've had crises with jobs and big questions about direction in my life. In the past, I don't right now. I can get wound up in worries and cares about circumstances, about needs, and about things that may or may not happen. But when I remember to go back to the Lord and lay it before him and trust him with all the circumstances of my life, he always answers. Most significantly, when I did lay everything before God in a time of complete surrender, he answered in a powerful way and turned my life in a direction I hadn't even been considering, which is when I ended up leaving um, a corporate world and, and uh, over a couple of years being led into ministry. So it's how I ended up in the ministry role, first at camp and now in Hillside and uh, as a student. That is wonderful, Pauline, and I've seen that verse, I think, work out in your life, too, for sure. Uh, and it strikes me that that is a wonderful verse, just as I think about the pace of our North Shore life, including the traffic and the concerns that we all share with our North Shore neighbors, um, that, that there's something there that uh, we continue to need to run back to, right? Yeah. Thank you. So uh, let's move on to the North Shore and your church. How would you describe the North Shore to a fellow pastor living elsewhere in Canada? Okay, first of all, the spirit is at work on the North Shore. The pastors on the North Shore are meeting and praying and seeking God's kingdom together had the privilege of being in some amazing prayer meetings recently where the last prayer meeting, which was this past week, 15 North Shore pastors representing 13 North Shore churches come together and spend an hour in prayer for each other and uh, for the ministries that we are involved in. Because of the mobility of life since the arrival of the automobile on the North Shore, there's no such thing as a parish anymore a geographic area in which a church serves. Everyone lives, and pre, everyone lives in everyone else's patch. So we either love and respect each other as churches and work together for the sake of the kingdom, or we compete with each other. The North Shore is full of great communities of people who care for each other and who look out for each other. And we've seen that really recently in Lynn Valley this week with the uh, burning down of apartment buildings and loss of life and loss of homes for, I think, 17 families in Lynn Valley lost their homes. And that's in the middle of a housing crisis, too. Uh, but the community came together and uh, have received so much donations that they've the, the agencies accepting donations have now sent out a dire message saying, stop, <laughs> too much stuff. <laughs> um, and uh, the housing, housing agencies have come together and have found uh, um, emergency places for all the people who are involved in that. There certainly is affluence, we all know that. But there are also many people who are property rich, 
but cash poor. We live in houses that we can barely afford or homes that we can barely afford. The, a lot of money is going to just the cost of housing. And there are people who live in po poverty who struggle to find affordable housing, which is a huge issue. So I think that's where, uh, w in, in my story, and well, this goes back years, but uh, I've lived through housing crises. We've lived through housing crises before uh, where we had no idea how we were going to find a home. And our church prayed for us. And in my husband and my life, we've had three miracle answers to homes. Like every, I think every home we've lived in uh, since we had children has been a miraculous answer to prayer. So we, it goes back to we need to be seeking God's kingdom and life in our work first, in, in our lives first. Um, and he will provide the things that we need. So if you are struggling with homes or where to live, uh, pray about where God wants you and follow that, and he will provide the things you need in order for you to be able to be there. Um, and so, yeah, at Hillside, we're praying for at least several families right now who need affordable homes on the North Shore. But my message is the same to all of them. God's going to provide. Uh, give us a brief history of your church and its current reality and its joys and challenges. I assume in your description of the church, Pauline, you'll talk about who you're leading with, like who else is with you on the staff team. Sure. Um, can I say one more thing about the community we live in? Um, I think we're surrounded by people who don't know that they need God. Spirituality is seen as the pursuit of self-fulfillment. How many times have we spoken with someone who says, I'm a very spiritual person, when they find out that you are a churchgoer? But Christianity is the pursuit of self-surrender and self-sacrifice. Our knowledge of our need before God and our knowledge of our spiritual poverty is where we find that the Lord fills us with the Holy Spirit and renews our lives. So it's very different than the world's idea of spiritual. So brief history of our church <laughs> and um, its current reality, sure. So Hillside is celebrating its 75th anniversary this October. Um, yeah, uh, we have a number of retired people in our congregation, and we have a lot of youth and young adults. Uh, so the church population is heavy on both ends of that spectrum, and for a while it seemed like we had a missing demographic of families with children. Um, but that middle demographic is growing, and our children's programs are growing, and we've been praying about that for a few years, and we're seeing God's answer to that prayer. Um, so about 10 years, 10 years ish ago, we had a bad time and we, we had tried to settle a couple of pastors, um, and we ended up bringing in a transitional person for some leadership for the church. We changed our leadership structure and became a, um, plural elder led church and started to talk about what it means, means to be a missional church and what it means to love our neighbors. More recently, we had a year where our congregation grew quite a bit, and we added to our pastoral team and changed the way the 
changed the pastoral lead role to be a three-way share of three pastors. So I am one of three pastors, um, and you can't ask us who's the senior because we won't tell you. There is no answer. So Anthony Brown and myself and Jeff Schuliger are the three uh, pastors who are the lead team. Are you all equal in hours? Like you all put in equal, are you all full-time? Well, I am unable to be full-time because I'm doing school, which is killing me. <laughs> so Jeff and Anthony are full-time. And uh, I, I, I am paid for 24 hours a week. And I do a lot of, I work full-time if you, can, if you add in all the, my studying. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I will bet you that people assume that it's Anthony that's the lead slash senior pastor, right? Like they probably, do they still kind of defer to him because he's A, older, or B, not female? Um, he's older? He's older than you, isn't he? Oh. <laughs> okay. Nobody tell Anthony that was said. <laughs> no one. <laughs> Um, I, think, I think what it is is I think we establish patterns, and I don't think that it's because people think he's older or that he, he's male. I, 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 think, I think our church has been, you know, in a process of realizing that females can lead. Um, I think, though, that we get, he, he came in as the lead transitional pastor. He was the lead. I joined the team um, and uh, have slowly um, been uh, getting into more and more responsibility, I think we change habits really slowly. So what color is Hillside Church? It's blue. No, it's been brown for 15 years. But it's the blue church on Lynn Valley Road. So it's, I think that's the same thing. Yeah. Yes, so often people come in and say, where's the pastor? I'm looking for Anthony. And it's like, I can sometimes say, okay, he's over there. <laughs> and sometimes I say, can I help you? Anyway. <laughs> and tell us more um, about your current reality in terms of what you guys are pursuing right now. Sure. Um, so uh, about seven when I first started, um, we set up a ministry apprenticeship program, and we've had um, ministry apprentices or interns most of the seven years that I've been working there. Um, and that program has um, worked into uh, us opening a uh, school of mission, which I wanted to tell you about. Um, so last year, we inaugurated the North Shore School of Mission. Um, but it, it, I want to be clear, it's not just a hillside thing. Uh, there was a lot of discussion with a number of pastors about whether other pastors thought that this school would be a good school to open. And so um, there are a number of North Shore pastors involved in the school. Um, we entered a partnership uh, agreement with Columbia Bible College. And so now uh, on the North Shore, you can earn uh, your first year of college credits right here. Um, so there is, we have, uh, we have classroom, we have meeting space, we have a library, a theological library with over 6,000 actually carefully picked volumes in it um, at, in, in the school. Um, and uh, 
pastors across the North Shore have come to be teachers in the classes this past year. Um, Regent and Cary professors have joined in. And most recently, the director of Missions Fest, John Hall, has been teaching the Monday evening classes. So um, we've had three full-time students this year. And then every Monday evening, we have run a different class through the year. So the first class in the fall was uh, how to read the Bible well. Uh, the second class in the winter term was um, an introduction to preaching. We had 30 people, including at least one or two cappers, so you can share the preaching a bit, <laughs> um, at that class. And, um, and then we had the, the, the most recent class, which I haven't been able to attend because of my school load, um, has been uh, Global Missions, and that has been co-led by the director of Missions Fest, John Hall, and uh, Anthony Brown. And so that class has just finished. So the Monday evening classes are open to anyone to attend. If you want to keep your eye on the School of Mission, um, I have cards, or it's actually just schoolofmission.org. Um, you can check out what we're offering, what we'll be offering in September. And we usually try and put something either in the newsletter or the blast as to the Monday night courses that are coming up. Uh, so you can check the cat blast as well. And um, in speaking to Anthony about the library, the library is like he would love for folks who need to read a good commentary to come or a reference book to come and, and to use it. So it is available for, for folks to use. I don't know if it's a matter of calling ahead and finding out whether there's someone there, like just calling the church and just finding out, yeah. hey, can I come by? But yeah. Anthony's extended an invitation to, yeah. to folks just to come and, and use the books that are there. I don't think that you can actually take any of them out mm -hmm. at this point, but if, you want, if you've got a few hours and you want to sit and do some reading or whatever, it's an amazing opportunity. It's, it's not a borrowing library, but we have lots of study. Like, we got a grant from the um, CBWC Opportunities Fund to outfit the school, so we have new... Uh, office chairs and study carols, and there's some beautiful study spots there. I spent all day Friday there um, work, doing my schoolwork, so um, you're welcome to come and read and study at, at, the, at the school. And yeah, it would be good to phone the church in advance so that we know you're coming and can let you in, because the library, yeah, the, we, we do, do, do keep, keep a careful watch on that space. Uh, I want to, before we end here, um, give folks here a chance to ask a question or speak a word of encouragement. Would this be a good time to do that, Pauline, or is there something you want to make Would sure you, you I say? Want, yeah, I wanted to make sure that there's one more thing that we say about the School of Mission, because part of the full-time um, class in the School of Mission is that the interns take on a role in the church. So the three we have this year were all Hillside students, but there's definitely an opportunity for someone from your church to come and take classes at the school but be an intern here. And so uh, they would work for 10 hours uh, under your your, your pastoral team leadership and um, learning about leadership in the church and uh, being paid a little bit, uh, but the, the fee goes towards the cost of schooling. So it helps keep the cost of this year of school is actually minimal for the student. The fees for one year of college credit full time uh, amount for the student to about $2,000, which is pretty good for your first year. And if you're a student, 
off of the North Shore, not needing to go and pay to live out in the valley to go to school for your first year of school is a huge benefit, so, yeah. That is such a great idea. Yeah, just the work that, um, that you all have done, especially Anthony, to put that all together is amazing. Hello. Uh, I just wanted to say how I got to this church, as well as Hillside, was because of the impact that uh, Keats Camp had on the children there. Um, all I can say is it was a huge impact on our daughter. And when I asked her what was the thing that she liked the best, she said it was the praise and worship and the people that, uh, the counselors and the volunteers. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry, I get a little emotional. But yeah. um, that's pretty, pretty hard to, to do in this culture. And she was actually disappointed that she had to leave early to go to a Taylor Swift concert. So we gave her for grade, I think it was grade six or seven, seven, seven tickets to see Taylor Swift. And she was like, oh, I really want to see it, but that means i got to leave Keats on Friday. So as an affirmation yeah. to Cap as well as, as Hillside, yeah. you know, in, in Oasis, what a great, great outreach that is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And it would be a great thing, actually, as we pray for Pauline now, um, it would be a great thing for us to pray for camps, too, because they are just starting up now. Things are starting up um, at Keats and Anvil and um, all kinds of other places. So um, let's gather to pray for uh, Pauline. Anyone who would like to pray, just come down here at the front, and, um, and we'll pray for you, Pauline. Lord, we're um, <clears throat> grateful that Pauline joined us today, and we um, just uh, cognizant of her journey that she's uh, shared with us and how you've been faithful uh, the whole way through. And uh, we recognize all of these little signposts along the way. Um, Keats Camp is one of them. And so just pause to reflect on your faithfulness there, how you have um, used people to create this little oasis and anvil and other summer outreaches as well, but these particular ones that have had such an impact on our church and people here and the youth and clearly um, their parents as well. And uh, just the way that um, you have uh, shaped Pauline and people through her, we're, we're thankful for that. And so God, as she goes from here, we uh, pray a blessing on her. We pray that you would um, give her the energy uh, to continue in her studies and um, just renew her uh, passion for that, especially as we uh, as the sun comes out and it gets harder and harder to be stuck in a library. Pray that you give her the long-term vision for what she's doing and bless her in the work that she has to do in the church. And we pray for her in those times when she feels divided between both of those things, that you give her uh, clarity of purpose and... Um, Lord, that you would fill her and renew her spirit in all of these things. So we pray for her, Lord. Bless her. In your name, amen.